0: Hello, uh, my name is Joanne Cianci, I'm, uh, as you can see, I'm not Pastor Kufel this morning. Um, I'm a substitute for Pastor Kufel today. Uh, We're coming from New Life Church of God at 1021 Center Street, Wahpeton, North Dakota. Um, And that is Pastor David Kufel is the pastor here. And the phone number is 701-642-3487. And I would like to welcome you to our service today. And before I do anything, I I am going to God's prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the precious, holy name of Jesus, Lord God. This morning, that you would be with us, that your precious Holy Spirit would be in our midst, Lord God. That everything I say, Lord God, would be according to your word, according to your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So for today, uh, the title of my text today is God Keeps His Promises. And um, it is from Isaiah. My text is Isaiah fifty-five, eleven, which says, So is my word that goes out of my mouth, it will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And to get, um, we're going to look at this verse a little bit here to get a better uh, understanding of what this verse means. And um, to look at this verse um, and get the gist of what uh, God was saying here, we need to go back to Isaiah 55.10. Isaiah 55.10, that's the verse before. And it says, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth, and making it bud and flourish, so that yields the seed for the sower and bread for the eater. As sure, as sure as there is rain and snow in the earth, that watering replenishes the earth, God's promises will stand and will come to pass. We see this happen as we see, the, as we see the, cha- the seasons change. We see this happen before our very eyes. And this is God's promise in his word that his promises will come to pass, that we can stand on them. We have the evidence here on earth that God has promised that his promises will stand that he will keep his promises. Isaiah 55.10 is for those who maybe aren't sure that God's promises are real because we can see them here on earth. We can see them and we can feel them. God will keep his promises. And we go back to the text, Isaiah 55.11, it says, so is my word, and I'm going to insert in there, so is my promise. So, my, so is my promise that goes out of my mouth, that's spoken, and it will not return to me empty. But it will accomplish that which I desire and, I, and, I, and, I, and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And there's three things there that we need to look at. In breaking down that uh, scripture, um, God's promises will not return to him void. God's promises will accomplish what God wants, and God's promises will achieve the purpose to which He intended it. And when we look at the first part of that, so this is God's word and it is spoken. He has spoken it, and it's God's word as a promise that He speaks. God's spoken word is God's spoken promise. In Isaiah 48, it says, but the word of our God endures forever. It endures forever. Things on earth that we see and that we think are uh, pretty permanent, they are not. They are not. But we live in this realm. So it's, it's sometimes really hard for us to remember that what we see and what we feel and what we do here is not permanent. But God's word is permanent forever and endures forever. Unlike human beings, the fact that we're frail, and our promises are not really concrete all the time, they are frail. God's promise is reliable and certain to be realized. God doesn't break his promises. In 2 Timothy 2.13, it says for we are faithless if we if we are faithless he remains true if we are faithless and do not believe and are untrue to him he remains true faithful to his word and his righteous character for he cannot deny himself if we change our thoughts If we change our actions, if we change our attitude toward God, he does not change. He remains the same. God is unchangeable. He will not change through the ages. He has not changed, and he will never change. He remains always the same throughout all time. He remains all the same, always the same. the second part of that text says my word or my promise will not return to me void and looking at the definition of void actually void means three things here the first part is okay my word will not return to me empty or lacking his promises will not return to him empty or lacking my word or my promise will not return to me useless. God, what he speaks, will come, come to pass. It will not return to him useless. And it will not, the third part is, it will not uh, come back to him nullified. It will be, whatever God speaks, there, there is no such thing as it having no effect. It will come to pass. Because he is, and this is another attribute of God, because he is faithful, God always keeps his promises. God's promises and his word stand the test of time. Stand beyond our test of time. Because actually, his promises and his word will be here when we're gone, because we are mortal. We will not last, but God will last, and his word will last, and his promises will last. And the last part of um, that verse, it says, but it will accomplish what I desire. The Amplified says, but it will accomplish that which I please and what God purposes it will accomplish. God knows what is best and acts accordingly. He cannot choose wrongly. He cannot desire something wrong. And I'm going to say that again. That's really important for us to realize. We're humans, and what we desire one minute or one day is not what we desire or want the next day or do. But God remains... The same God remains the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He will not change he what again what he says and what his word says will remain for all time, and he cannot desire he cannot do he cannot make a decision wrongly whatever God desires, whatever he does, whatever he um wants for the future it remains true to who he is it remains the right thing to do for us and then uh, also it says it will achieve the purpose for which i sent it And again, the Amplified says, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. It shall come to pass. It shall come to pass. God is omnipotent, and he is almighty. God holds all power. Nothing is too hard for God, and impossible is nothing for God. What God wills, he will and can accomplish. God is sovereign whether we acknowledge it or not, God is sovereign. And he is the supreme ruler. He changes the hearts and minds of leaders and kings, the unbeliever and the believer. He change, Whether they acknowledge it or not, God is still in control. God is still in control. And some would say that we are, you know, uh, we might be at the beginning of end times, And God will not change. We see, um, we're in America, and we see America America drastically changing from when um, I was a child. And it probably will change more. But God is not going to change. And his principles and his virtues and what he stands for, that will not change. It will never change. And I have a couple of um, examples in Scripture of, of the promises of God and how um, he's, he uh, brought forth these promises. He spoke them, and he brought forth like, these promises, and, um, and then we're going to see the answer. In Romans four nineteen through 22, it says, Without weakening in his flesh, this was about Abraham, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. And here they had been waiting all these years for a child to continue um, their legacy um, to um, families then needed, needed their children to um, whatever wealth they had to give to their children and to work with them and continue the, the family. And here, God had promised him a child. And now he he's 100 years old. And Sarah is, you know, maybe Sarah's close to 100 years old. And you know what? They should have had great, great grandchildren by now. And they had nothing. They had no one. They had no child. And God had promised them this yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of god but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to god being fully persuaded that god had the power to do what he had promised and this is why it was credited to him as righteousness so he responded to the word responded to the promise spoken by the lord and in perspective Abraham faced the fact that his and Sarah's ages were beyond childbearing, the total impossibility of them having children. He considered the facts, but ignored the circumstance and listened to God. In other words, he walked by the faith that God had made in this promise. And it was credited to him as righteousness that he believed God more than what was happening in his own reality, in his own life. God's ability to fulfill his promise was the foundation of Abraham's faith. Faith looks past the gift to the giver and past the promise to the one who promised. I'm going to say that again. Faith looks past the gift to the giver and past the promise to the to the one who promised. In Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. And we could say, we could say today that God's promises are alive and active. God's promises are alive and active and stronger than a sword. They have the power of the sword. They also, they also put Satan to flight, okay? They put Satan to flight. Jesus used scripture when he was tempted with Satan. And Satan, you know what? Satan is kind of underhanded. He comes to you when you're weak and you're alone. And he tells you lies. The scriptures say that he is the father of all lies. He's been at this for years and years beyond more years than we're alive, and he tells us lies all the time. But Jesus used scripture, Jesus used scripture against Satan and God's promises, and so we must too. God speaking to the Israelites in Deuteronomy 1 8, he says, See, I have given you the land, go in and take possession of the land. The Lord swear he would give to your fathers, to Abraham. Isaac and to Jace, Jacob and to their descendants after them. So God is speaking to Moses and he says, see, I have given you the land. I have given you the land. Go in and possess it. God's promise is so real to Moses that he tells him it, 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 he is speaking as if it's already done. So true that he speaks to Moses and tells him it 's done already. I am spoken and it is done, and you need to go and do it. We can apply this to our lives also. we can accept his promises as already done, believing they are true, and act on them, standing on his promises, praying his promises we had uh, We have a little church here in Wapton North Dakota and um the boys and I lived here for um, since 2000, and I lived here until 2018. And we adopted one of the ladies in the church here as our grandma, because we no longer had a grandma. So we uh, adopted one of the uh, widows in the church as our grandma. And um, she told a story of whenever things got really hard, her name was Doris Strand, she's very dear to my heart and um, when when she had a trial or test she would take her Bible she would take her Bible and um, this is an uh, unholy thing to do with a Bible Um, by faith she did this she would take her Bible and go in the bathroom and put it on the floor a nice you know a clean place on the floor and she would take her shoes off and she would She would show God that she was going to stand on his promise. She would take her shoes off and she would stand on her Bible. She would stand on her Bible. And sometimes we need to do that to show Satan we're not giving up. We're not going back. And we're not changing. Because no matter what happens, no matter what we see or what we don't see, or what we feel or what we don't feel, God's promises will stand. God's promises will stand. With this promise, Nan and Canaan, there was also lessons to learn about obedience, about holiness, about unity, about courage, and God's ability to accomplish what he promised. And as we live through things and we pray for answers and we stand on God's promises, we have things to learn, too. About obedience, about um, stretching our faith, about being encouraged in God instead of looking at things that are happening around us. My last example for today is Revelation 21 6 through 7. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, to the thirsty. I will give water without cost. From the spring of the water of life, those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. First of all, I'd like to point out, yes, this water of life is free, but it came with a cost. And it wasn't our cost. It came with the cost of the Lord Jesus Christ, obeying his Father and laying down his life so that we could be set free. The Alpha and Omega is an expression indicating God's absolute sovereignty over all things as the beginning and the end. He is the beginner of the beginning and the ender of the end. I'm going to say that again. He is the beginner of the beginning and the ender of the end. He stands at the beginning of creation and now at the end in the new creation. He will not change. He has always been and he always will be. He was and is. He has never had a beginning for himself. He is the eternal Lord God. All who have overcome the world by faith will inherit all of God's promises. In John 4.10, we're going to talk about the water of life for a second here. In John 4.10, Jesus speaks to the woman at the well. If you knew the gift of God and who is it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water, the water of life, the living water, which is the Holy Spirit, which is the words of eternal life, the message of salvation, the truths about God and his kingdom and the doctrines of the gospel. It is God who he was offering to this woman at the well. He was giving her or telling her the woman that had so many husbands she she couldn't name them all in front of Jesus that she needed something else besides husbands or she needed something else besides what this earth could offer and it is in the person and the life of Jesus Christ. And um. I'm going to give my uh, illustration a couple of things and then I'll be closing here. I have a story about a promise, a true el- illustration from 1979. Her name was Vera Bowman. She, had, um, she was delivering her fourth child and it was a baby boy. And to, um, and to her great despair, the doctors came and told her, we're going to have to take the baby away and it's going to have to go to another hospital. The baby was born with both defective kidneys, a brand-new baby. While she was still in the hospital, praying and praying and praying for this baby, to, to, um, that the Lord would let this baby live, the Holy Spirit came to her and gave her a verse from John eleven four, and says, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. So the Holy Spirit, while she was praying, came to her and gave her an answer. So then, when she was talking to her husband, um, you know, and he said, "You know, we have to face facts here. She's, uh, there's good possibility this baby is not going to live." She said, "No, the baby is going to live. The baby is going to live." because God gave me the scripture and the baby is going to live. So after three months of this little boy, this little boy baby being on dialysis, his defective kidneys started to work. And when he was 13, we had enough, they had what they thought was another setback. Um, the doctors came to her and said, um, you know, all these years he's been able to take Medication and dialysis, and um, it's been working. But now um, he needs a new kidney, and she began to despair a little. But God gave her her answer. She gave that little boy, um, that well, the boy that's 13. She gave him her kidney, and he was able to flourish after that. God's promises made a great difference for Vera Bowman. When she chose to have these promises, then she chose to have these promises stitched into a quilt, which she made a fitting choice. There's some puns here. As comforting as a quilt is on a cold wintery night, so is God's promises to ward off the soul-chilling fear. They warm the soul. They warm the soul. They give us hope and purpose. What Vera did here was to claim or stand on God's promises. She told herself, these uh, promises apply to me and my situation. In spite of what I see, in spite of this situation going on, I am going to believe God. That's what she said to herself. My actions are going to show that I trust God to keep this This promise, these promises, having faith in God's promises and His Word, God's promises encompass many areas of our lives. His Word, His Word, is so um, amazing that whatever we we, um, encounter in life, there is a promise for it. And he promises to walk through these life situations with us he promises salvation eternal life wisdom guidance deliverance for those who for all those who seek him in order to remain firm in god as vera bowman did commit to trusting and following jesus all your days commit to trust jesus follow Jesus. They claim to his promises. He is our unchanging Lord and Savior. He is committed to caring for you in every circumstance and will never leave or forsake you. Hebrews 13, 8 says, and this is one of those promises we can stand on, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In 1 John 5, 4 through 5, it says, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Those who know and follow Christ, they have the victory. Despite the trials and temptations of this world, they have the victory. And with that, I'm closing with my last verse. And that is 2 Corinthians 5.15. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but live for Jesus, who died and rose again. That's 2 Corinthians 5.15. So that verse tells us basically tells us what to do with Jesus, and sometimes you don't know, or sometimes maybe you don't want to, and sometimes you know that you do know one thing: you need help, and that is, and that is what Jesus is all about. Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice that we could live victorious, that we could conquer the things that pull us down in our lives, that we. Uh, We could go to God, and he can break those chains that so easily beset us, chains that pull us down, chains that, um, that tear our victory from our lives and put fear there. Jesus Christ died on the cross to defeat Satan, to defeat death, that we can have a way to come to God. That we can have a relationship with God. That we can overcome our fears and our anxieties. And if you have problems today, or you're having a problem today, I would like to pray with you. But I also would like to show you something. I guess what I'm doing here is a, um, an object lesson, Okay. I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to do this. So I have I have two pieces of paper here, and they're, they're post-its, really. And one is um, just plain, nothing on it. And actually this one, I'm going to begin to fold it. like so. So now, I have the same size as this piece of paper, and it's the same color. The material hasn't changed. But this, this is how we start out in life. This piece of paper has no flaws in it. We start out in life like that, as a child. and Perhaps we start to do things that aren't pleasing to God, do things our own way. We all were young. I was young once, too. (laughs) And uh, sometimes I took things into my own hands, which I'm not proud of. I made my own decisions. So as you get older, your 50s and 60s, that piece of paper isn't the same. It looks the same, it's the same material, it's the same color, but even if you try as best as you can, you're not going to get those wrinkles out. And who sees those wrinkles? Not other people, not other people usually. They see this, but God sees these wrinkles. God sees these creases, and what they're called is sin. They're called sin, and wherever we go, those sins go with us, and they change us, whether we acknowledge or not. They change us, and the only one that can make this look like this again is Jesus. That's the only one, and God, our Father. So, if you're if you're ready to right now, I would like to pray with you, and um, you can you can call uh, Pastor Kufel and talk to him later on in the week. Heavenly Father, I just come to you in the precious, holy name of Jesus. If there's somebody out there that needs to come to you, Lord God, to acknowledge you, to ask you to be your uh, Lord Jesus, that you'd be their savior, Lord. This is the appointed time. It's not tomorrow. It's today, and it's now. Lord, I pray that they would come to you. I pray that they would pray with me too, Heavenly Father. I come to you. I ask you to forgive me my sins. I ask you to change me, Lord God. You meet the um, the desire in my heart. Put that desire in my heart to change my ways, to drop these sins from my life. As dirty as um, an old used piece of paper, just drop it on the floor. And accept Jesus Christ as my Savior and change me, change my life, change my ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. With that, um, I also would...